Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. How's everybody doing? Welcome. Glad you guys are here. Thanks for braving the rain. I know that uh, it was crazy. You know, this this afternoon I was driving around and the drive that took seven minutes took 25 minutes for me. And so I was going to congratulate you on uh, braving traffic, but traffic is nothing compared to a little downpour. So thank you so much for coming and Merry Christmas. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, hey, listen, I just want to say this. If, if you're with us here in person or if you're joining us online, if you have any questions about redemption uh, throughout this holiday season and uh, you're looking for a place to get connected, or if you have any questions, more importantly, about Jesus, and you want to know what does it mean to follow this this baby that we come to worship all year round, but specifically this baby that we worship this time of year. If you have any questions about that, we would love to have a conversation with you, so please connect with us, and, uh, and let's continue that conversation. Well, when I, uh, when I first got married, um, it, 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 was a, it was a shock to me that uh, my wife and I didn't have a perfect relationship and that we would uh, continue some of the familial things that my parents continued. And uh, one of those, you know, just kind of reared its ugly head when we had our very first argument as a married couple. Like, what? That's crazy. I thought like once you got married, it was just over and everything was like, you know, over in a good way, by the way. And, uh, and, and you know, everybody was, you know, uh, just very polite and kind, and, and there was never any arguments. Well, um, come to find out that that's just not the case. And, uh, and, and so we got into this argument early on in our marriage, and, and I don't even remember what it was about, but I do remember this. I remember saying uh, throughout the argument, like, you're not listening to my intentions. Like, listen, I, yes, I did this boneheaded thing. Don't just forget what I did like, can you understand what I was trying to do? This is what I was trying to do. I was pleading my case. And my wife was sitting there not amused, you know. And, uh, and, and so back and forth, we had this problem. Now, this is not a marriage dilemma, right? Like, this is a human one. It's a human dilemma. Often what happens is that we get in these arguments, and, uh, and, and, and essentially the argument is around what one person did and the perception of why they did that, you know, for the other person. And so, um, you know, we do that in arguments, but I also think I would like to make a case that we do these, or, or we practice this bad behavior for good things. I, I think often in our life, we'll see someone give a gift or, or they do something really nice or really kind. They serve, you know, at a, at a nonprofit, at a, at a, at a uh, you know, soup kitchen type of thing. Or, um, you know, they, they give someone a brand new something, right? Some gift. And we look at that and either we go, ooh, ah, that's so cool, right? Or we go, uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. And we just brush, brush it aside. We just move on, right? But we don't take the time to sit there and contemplate, really wonder, why might they have done that? 
Um, when I was in college, I had a mentor. His name is Dwayne Carson. And, uh, and Dwayne actually, uh, he would say this almost every single week to this group of peers of mine. He would say, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. If you've heard that before, raise your hand. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. If you haven't heard that before, uh, may it change your relationships, all right? I think it's an incredible piece of wisdom. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. It's not just, um, it's not just a, a marriage advice. Uh, I wasn't married when he gave it to me in college. Um, but, but, but he promised us this. If you seek to understand, your relationships will be better rather than seeking to be understood. I think we do this with the birth of Jesus. I think it's something that has happened and what often happens is this time of year, we ooh and we ah at it, or we brush past it and we never actually contemplate it. We never actually take the time to consider what God might have been saying when he sent his only son to earth to be with us. And so I'm going to read uh, from Matthew chapter 1, if you're if you've been with us uh, you know, throughout the series, uh, we've been in Matthew chapter one, I think maybe three or four times. And um, sometimes it's just good to let that word, that, that, that section of scripture just soak into your bones, you know? And so that's what we're doing today. We're gonna go back to Matthew chapter one. And we're gonna read verses 18 through 23. Uh, if you'd like, you can pull this up on, a, on your Bible or uh, on, your, on your phone. It says in verse 18, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. I want you to hear these words. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I don't know if you've ever read a book before and it's just clung to your soul. Um, I don't know if that's happened to you, but we're going to be reading today from a book that has clung to my soul. In fact, there's, uh, it's, a, it's a large part in why I'm married to my wife. Uh, the book is called Love Does, and it's by, by an author uh, named Bob Goff. If you've read this book before, raise your hand. It's a pretty popular book, okay? We're going to be reading from the very first chapter, um, and so here, here we go. Uh, Love Does, Bob Goff. And let me explain why I'm reading this before, because it, it's, it's just so you know, it's a lengthy reading that we're going to read. And I think what uh, the, temptation, uh, to, the, the te temptation to ask the question, why is he reading this? I think it's going to become very self-evident, very self-evident, very quickly. But um, sometimes your words, uh, you can work and work and work 
to craft the right words, and they're not, they're, you know, you know, they're going to fall short. They're going to come up short. And so here we go. Bob Goff, Love Does, chapter one of the book. Um, I'm going to read most of it to you, and so you may not even have to buy the book, you know. Uh, just, just, say, just say, you're done. You read it. All right, chapter one, I'm with you. He says in the very beginning, he says, I used to want to fix people, but now I just want to be with them. That's so good. I used to want to fix people, but now I just want to be with them. When I was in high school, I met a guy named Randy. Randy had three things that I didn't have, a Triumph motorcycle, a beard, and a girlfriend. It just didn't seem fair. I wanted all three in ascending order. I asked around and found out Randy didn't even go to the high school. He just hung out there. I had heard about guys like that, and I figured I should keep my distance, so I did. Later, I heard that Randy was a Christian, and he worked with an outfit called Young Life. I didn't know much about any of, of that stuff, but it helped explain the beard, and it made it okay uh, that he was hanging out at the school, I guess. Randy never offered me a ride on his motorcycle, but he tried to engage me in discussions about Jesus. I kept him at arm's length, but that didn't seem to, seem to chill his interest in finding out who I was and what I was about. I figured maybe he didn't know anyone his age, so, he, so we eventually became friends. At the beginning of my junior year, I decided it was time to leave high school and make the, make the move to Yosemite. I had a down vest, two red, band, two red bandanas, a pair of rock climbing shoes, $75, and a VW Bug. What else did I need? I'd find work in the valley, and I'd spend my off time in the mountains. More, more out of courtesy than anything, I swung by Randy's house first thing on a Sunday morning to say goodbye and to let him know that I was leaving. I knocked on the door, and uh, after a couple minutes, Randy answered. He was groggy and bedheaded. I had obviously woken him. I gave, uh, gave him the rundown on what I was doing, and, and the, uh, all the while, Randy stood patiently in the doorway, trying his best to suppress a puzzled expression. You're leaving soon, he asked when I had finished. Yeah, right now, actually. I said as I straightened my back, I barreled my chest to show that I meant business. Look, Randy, it's time for me to get out of here. I just came by to thank you for hanging out with me and being a great friend. Randy kept his earnest and concerned face, but he didn't say a word. Oh, hey, I inserted. Will you tell your girlfriend goodbye, to, er, er, uh, uh, goodbye for me, you know, when you see her next? Again, no words from Randy. He had, his, he had this weird faraway look on his face like he was looking right through me. He snapped back into conversation. Hey, Bob, would you wait here for a second while I check something out? No sweat, Randy. I had nothing but time. What did I care? Randy disappeared a few minutes into the house while I stood awkwardly on the porch with my hands in my pockets. When he came back to the door, he had a tattered backpack hanging over his shoulder by one fridge strap and a sleeping bag under his other arm. He was focused and direct, and he said, or all he said was this, Bob, I'm with you. Something in his words rang right through me. He didn't lecture me about how I was blowing it and throwing opportunities away by leaving high school. He didn't tell me that I was a fool and that my idea would fall off the tracks on the way to the launch pad. He didn't tell me that I would surely crater, even if I did briefly lift off. He was resolute, unequivocal. He had no agenda. He was with me. Well, Bob and Randy, they get to Yosemite, and uh, that night, uh, there's still some sun left, and so they decide to go do some bouldering and, and rock climbing and, and things of that nature. The sun starts to chase them, and so they decide they're going to succumb to the sunset, and they should probably find a campsite. And so what they do is they sneak into this, you know, pay-per-night, A-frame 
platformed, you know, campsite type of place. They sneak in through the back of it. And they find a, uh, um, a tent, an A-frame tent, that's kind of off the beaten path a bit, and it seems to be unoccupied. And so they sneak in through the back flap of that tent, and they stay towards the end, you know, of the tent in case somebody checks in late during the night, and they got to make a beeline for it. So essentially, they stole the tent, and, uh, and they sleep there that night. Well, the next day, uh, Randy, he helps Bob look for jobs. They go to breakfast spots, they go to pancake houses, they go to, they go to rock climbing outfitters, they go to, you know, adventure tour places, they go to everywhere in the valley, and they continually talk about all the places that they go, and they strike out time after time after time. But Randy never leaves Bob. In fact, he encourages him the entire time. He says, Bob, no matter what you choose, you just need to know I'm with you. And so uh, as, they, as they go to all these places, seemingly they've hit every single place in the valley. And on the last one, the manager says, just so you know, you're 17, you're a junior in high school, and we don't have jobs for you here. They're really tight. And so Bob decides that it's the end of the road for his dreams. And uh, this is where we pick up in the story. I only had a few bucks left after buying gas, and, I, and Randy, he offered to spring for dinner. As we walked back out to the car after eating, I turned to Randy and I said, you know, Randy, you've been great coming with me and everything, but it looks like I'm striking out. I think what I'll do is I'll head back and I'll finish up high school. After a short pause, Randy said again, uh, what had become a comfort to me throughout the trip, man, whatever you decide, just know that either way, I'm with you, Bob. Randy had been with me and I could tell that he was with me in spirit as much as with his presence. He was committed to me and he believed in me. I wasn't a project, I was his friend. I wondered if maybe all Christians operated this way. I didn't think so because most of them I had met up until that time were kind of wimpy and they seemed to have more opinions about what or who they were against than what or who they were for. Without much more discussion, Randy and I exchanged a silent look and a nod, which meant we were done. Without a word spoken, I hopped in the driver's seat of the car. Randy hopped in the passenger seat. We followed the path cast from the long shadow the day before. I was going back. We didn't talk much as we left Yosemite Valley for much, uh, for much of, the, uh, of the ride home, for that matter. A dream of mine had just checked into hospice. And Randy was sensitive enough to know that I needed some margin to think. We drove for five or six quiet hours every once in a while. Randy would check in, uh, check in on me with a confident, upbeat voice. Hey, how are you doing, Bob? We pulled down some familiar streets and into Randy's driveway. There was another car in the, in the drive next to Randy's that looked like his girlfriend. She visited often. We walked up to the front door and we opened it. And uh, I walked in behind Randy, uninvited, but somehow I still felt welcome. On the floor, I noticed a stack of plates and some wrapping paper, a coffee maker, some glasses. On the couch was a microwave half in a box. I didn't understand at first. Had Randy just had a birthday? Was it his girlfriend's? A microwave seemed like a weird way to celebrate someone's arrival into the world. I knew Randy wasn't moving because there, there <clears throat> wouldn't be wrapping paper. Then from around the corner, the other half of this couple bounded out and threw her arms around Randy and said, welcome home, honey. Then the nickel dropped. 
I felt both sick and choked up all in an instant. I realized, I realized that these were wedding presents on the floor. Randy and his girlfriend had just gotten married. And when I had knocked on Randy's door on Sunday morning, Randy didn't just see a high school kid who had disrupted the beginning of his marriage. He saw a kid who was about to jump the tracks. Instead of spending early days of marriage with his bride, he spent them with me, sneaking into the back of a tent. Why? Why? It was because Randy loved me. He saw the need and he did something about it. He didn't just say that he was with me, or he, sorry, he didn't just say he was for me or with me. He was actually present with me. What I remember from Randy changed my view permanently about what it meant to have a friendship with Jesus. I learned that faith isn't about knowing all the right stuff or obeying a list of rules. It's something more. It's something more costly because it involves being present and making a sacrifice, perhaps because it involves uh, being present and, and making a sacrifice. Uh, perhaps that's why Jesus is sometimes called Emmanuel, God with us. I think that's what God had in mind for Jesus to be present, to just be with us. It's also what he has in mind when it comes to other people. The world can make you think that love can be picked up at a garage sale or enveloped in a Hallmark card. But the kind of love that God created and demonstrated is a costly one because it involves sacrifice and presence. It's a love that operates more like a sign language and being, uh, than being spoken outright. What I learned from Randy about the brand of love that Jesus offers is that it's more about presence and undertake, than, than undertaking a project. It's a brand of love that doesn't just think about good things or agree with them or talk about them. What I learned from Randy reinforced the simple truth that continues to weave itself into the tapestry of every great story love does. Bob Goff, he said that love does, but whether we uh, believe that it's, it's, it's good grammar or not, the reality is that love did. Over 2,000 years ago, uh, the, the birth of, of, of the Christ, the birth of the Savior of the world that we celebrate every single December happened. And, 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 and Jesus wasn't, he wasn't sidetracked. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, inconvenienced by being in heaven, by claiming deity and being God. Instead, he saw a world that was jumping off the tracks and he decided to go be with it, to be with you. Love left heaven to be present with you. I think in 2020, when relationships have been separated, some of them temporarily, right? Um, and some of you still have relationships that you're gonna be separated from temporarily, and some of you, unfortunately, permanently. Like Craig said, we. We had someone uh, who's, who's related to the church um, pass away this past week. And, and I saw an entire group of people rallying around a family and praying for them and loving them and sending them flowers and cards and caring for them and being generous to them. And recently, uh, we've, been, we've been praying, and recently in the last day, we've been praying because uh, there's a surviving member that is alone. And because of COVID, 
there alone, and they were slated to be alone over the Christmas holiday, fearful, scared by themselves. And inside of us, this swirl of anger and sorrow was rising inside of us. But why? Like, why are we, why are we so quick to become angry and sorrowful when someone is forced to be alone? Because we serve a God who broke that to be with us. And unfortunately, in 2020, there are times where we can't be with other people. I just heard before we started the, sermon, the service that uh, this member that is, that, that is the surviving spouse, um, that person's daughter has decided to go and be in quarantine with them over the holidays so they don't have to be alone. And he told me that I rounded the corner. I started to cry. Um, and it's because we serve a God that is named Emmanuel, God with us. And so this holiday season, this Christmas season, I don't know, I don't know where you're at. Like, I don't know, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Jesus presented in a way that is, that is an invitation to you. But this, this God, right, God the Father, he, he sent his only son, Jesus, to be born of a virgin in, in, a, in a cave, essentially. And why did he do that? He did that so that he could be with us, right? Emmanuel, God with us. And, and then this, this man, or this boy, he grows up to be a man. He, he, he leads a, a sinless, perfect life, never sinning. And, and he ends up being crucified. His life is, is, is freely given on the cross. Why? Be, because he wants to be with you and he wants to make a way so that you can be with him forever. And then what happens? He breaks out of the grave three days later. And why does he do that? Because he wants to let you know that he'll stop at nothing to be with you because you're worth it. He believes that you're worth it. And so he went through it. And so he breaks out of the grave to be with us. And, and this is a crazy thing too. In John chapter 14, it says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go uh, prepare a place for you. I'm gonna go and, and build a house for you, right? And then he says, you know, where I go, you know, you'll, like, you'll know where I go and I'm gonna receive you unto me and all this stuff. And Thomas is like, I'm really confused. Jesus, what are you talking about? But this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, he's literally created, he has created a heavenly home for all who believe in him. Now, why would he do that? We have eternity to be there. We have all the time in the world. You know, recently I, I had to learn some, uh, some video editing. And so I went to YouTube. Three hours later, I knew the entire internet. Like, listen, I was, I was brilliant, right? Not really, if you watch my videos, they're not great. But I knew enough to get by. But we have eternity. Jesus could teach us his carpentry skills. Why does he go and prepare a place for us? Why does he go and build a house for us? I'm convinced of this. Because when we die and we're finally there, I don't think he wants us wasting time away from him. I think he just wants to be with us. We serve a God whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. And in a year that we have felt so distanced from one another, 
We serve a God whose heart and love was not only poured out on the cross, but it continues to pour out uh, for us. He will never leave us, and we know this. Matthew chapter 28, this is the last, this is the last thing that Jesus says before he leaves, before he leaves earth, before he ascends into heaven. It says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, always. Jesus is with us always. And so this baby who comes for Christmas, he doesn't just come for Christmas. He's not just a Christmas gift that gets thrown away after the batteries die, right? He's a God that lives with us for eternity. And that same God, the same God that that came to earth to be with you, the same God that lived a perfect life to make a way for you, the same God that died on the cross to show you his love for you, the same God that resurrected from the grave so that to, to show you that he would stop at nothing to be with you, and the same God that promised you this, that he'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Today, he presents to you an invitation, an invitation to follow him, to be with him. The same God that says that he's with you, he's asking you to be with him. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He doesn't force it on any of us. And so this is what I want to do. As we, as we reflect on this, two things. One, if you're a believer, if you're a believer and, and you're hearing the, the, the message of Jesus, the, the truth that he is Emmanuel, God with us, that he would, he would actually leave heaven and come and be with us lowly humans and love us, if you're a believer, I just want to encourage you, don't sit on that story. That's the greatest story in the world. Share that story with people. Tell your neighbors. Tell your friends. Like, go tell it on the mountains, right? There's a reason that's a Christmas story. Go tell it on the mountains. But, but listen, if, if you're not a believer, if you're someone who, who, who doesn't follow Jesus, I want to invite you this Christmas, today, to make that commitment to follow Jesus, to be with the God who wants to be with you. Everybody uh, bow your heads with me. And listen, if, if, if you've never made the commitment to follow Jesus and you're hearing this and going, I wanna be, I wanna be with that God. I just want you to pray with me. And, and just to be clear, there's no like special magic in these words, but the reality is that God is looking at your heart right now. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows everything about you. And this is just you connecting to him, connecting to God. And so if you want to be with God for eternity, I just want you to pray this. Pray after me to yourself. God, thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us. God, thank you for, for making a way for me to be with you. Thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you for living a perfect life. But thank you for breaking out of the grave. I believe that you are God. I believe that you have the power over life and death. I want you to save me. I want to be with you. And if you prayed this, um, and if, you, if you're meaning, if you're praying this, and, and, uh, and this is the first time that you've ever prayed this before, what I want you to do 
um, is I want you to put that on a Connect card. As we, uh, as we talked about in the beginning of the service, uh, we have these Connect cards. And you can put on there that, hey, I accepted uh, Christ today, or I have more questions about Jesus. And so if, if, uh, if you're here today and you want to talk more about Jesus, or if you've made the decision, please let us know, because we want to follow up with you. Uh, the beautiful thing about Christianity is not only does Jesus want to be with us, but he wants us to be with each other. He wants us to be with one another.